folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass for an episode 259. Glad you could join us. We've got uh, the original crew here. Got some cool topics to go over. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I am Sarizel, and I am uh, reporting from uh, my the basement of my new digs. So, woohoo. Are you now a basement uh, dweller or just is it a temporary thing? What did you just say? Never mind. I, I got it now. I thought you said something entirely different than what you what you actually said. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, so I am not a basement dweller, but uh, all the nerd stuff is in the basement. So where it um, should be out of yeah, sight. Exactly. From the public. Exactly. So um, the the cool thing is that um, I'm in a, a a property big enough that I can have a respectable, uh, you know, proper suburban like household household on the first floor that you know is respectful for guests and family members and stuff like that a basement that is like pure nerd stuff and then a second floor which is you know like sleeping space only so it's 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 nice it's a nice setup good stuff all right Bate, you are up what's up everybody my name is bait i am a florida man i finally have time to play video games now so thank you college um and i am bullshitting my way through macro economics ah my favorite of the economics you and everybody else that's in government service yes sir (laughs) what games are you playing right now bait what are you getting what are you getting back into um so right now i'm doing a little bit like as we speak i'm uh, doing a little bit of light eve online play um i don't know man it, it's weird i'm not finding myself sitting down at a console anymore um as much as i used to which i didn't think that uh i guess i would be saying but here we are so um i don't know i'll probably pick back more up into steam or whatever. I'm hoping to sit down and play some Insurgency this weekend for sure, but we'll see how that goes. Good stuff. All right, Jay, you are up. Hey, guys, my name's Jay, and I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomass. And uh, let's see, um, had a had a, a nice Memorial Day. I, I really take that, that – uh, I, I kind of do a different thing than most probably people do. A lot of people barbecue out and do some stuff. I generally sort of spend that in a, as a fair, fairly quiet day. Um, not a lot going on. I, I generally tend to do a lot of reading and things like that on Memorial Day. Uh, so that was a good weekend for me. Uh, at least uh, as, as good as, as Memorial Day gets for me anyway. The uh, That being said, uh, I've been playing a lot of Ghost Recon Wildlands. I kind of got back into that with the advent of a lot of the gameplay trailers coming out with Breakpoint. Uh, I watched about a 15-minute uh, gameplay video on Breakpoint uh, and, and you know been kind of perusing a variety of other things. Jump back into Wildlands. That is a dramatically get different game than what I remember when it first came out. It's a hell of a lot of fun to play. Um, it, it's another great example of how Ubisoft puts out a product and then just stays with it relentlessly to to increase its value and just make it a better game. Like I, like it's a really fun game. It's just a legitimately fun game. Been enjoying enjoying that. Uh, bouncing back and forth between the division. Uh, keeping my hand in Destiny because there's there's about to be a a, a seasonal release coming up on that one. <laughs> so other than that, um, those those kind of games occupy a lot of my console time. And what I've been kind of looking forward to is sort of what's starting to creep up around the summer and the fall. In the fall, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some E3 predictions here later in the show, which would be kind of fun to chat about. Good stuff. 
All right, and I am Draven. I uh, do a lot of YouTube stuff, and I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Finally got through the main story, got all caught up in prep for the expansion coming out in June. It was really good. Had a good time with it. I'm pretty excited about what's coming next, and uh, they're lifting the uh, <clears throat> the like uh, content creator media embargo tomorrow, so there's going to be a flood of good stuff that uh, has been happening behind the scenes that they couldn't talk about yet, so I'm pretty stoked for it, but... Uh, it's good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. But let's move on to our topics here. So uh, I know you're all going to be shocked by this, but uh, they've delayed the Sonic the Hedgehog movie till like early 2020. Um, I guess the up, higher ups thought that since they decided to, you know, give that monstrosity some plastic surgery and put copious amounts of uh, lipstick on that hedge pig that uh, they might need to delay it so they don't have like you know, virtual like visual effects artists working like 80 hour weeks to get this thing fixed in time. So that's yeah, really fun. <laughs> what was the hashtag they put on, on it? Like no VS, no VFX artists were harmed in the making of this movie was like the hashtag, right? It's something like that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because right now, um, particularly in light of like all the, the stuff with Anthem and in how crunch was, was really brutal. The, the, the topic of crunch is really big in the gaming sphere right now. And you don't think about it so much in movies, but since the primary audience of this movie is going to be specifically gamers, um, they probably were a little cognizant of it and said, you know, maybe we should not, like, kill our people because that might get even more backlash with the, the current uh, the current narrative on it. So I, I think it's good that they pushed it back because redoing all the CGI for that film and, like, you know, the same timeline they had for releasing the film was just not going to happen under, like, reasonable circumstances. But still, like, good luck to these people. Like, this is this is one heck of an uphill battle to to try and make this movie a success. I mean, the plus is is that the internet has provided like tons of actually really good reference pictures of like this is what it should look like. Uh, so really, they just have to do what people online have done and just run with it, and they should be good. I mean, for how it looks, it's, it's going to be a terrible movie regardless. Right, but, but at least right. it would look better. Yeah, they, they still got to actually make the movie good, and that's that's probably a lost cause. Uh, yeah, it's just there's just no way, <laughs> no way. We we still have to go to we'll, we'll have to like set up like a meet like a meet in like Zell's basement when this thing comes out like on DVD and we can get it for like a buck fifty at like you know the last blockbuster and we're on the world or something and we yeah. can watch watch La- it in Zell's basement together. Last blockbuster is a lot closer to you than it is to me. Uh, is it okay? I'll buy that. I, I believe it's in Oregon. Okay. And and most of the people who show up at the last blockbuster are there to just like take photos and stuff. Like it's it's more like a museum attraction than anything else. I I think we should preserve the last blockbuster so so kids will know what it used to be like before like you know Netflix and these fancy DVD things. You know, like I want like walls of VHS (laughs) tapes and like the section in the corner, like like the, the section with the beads hanging over the door that only the adults could go into, like. That's 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 part of history right there. We gotta preserve that. <laughs> Pokey remembers the bead room. <laughs> I wanna know what was in there and I'm like <laughs> come on. And by the time I knew what it was, they were all gone. So I couldn't go in and look and see the inside of the bead room. There were beads in some area. My neck of the woods it was just plastic flaps. <laughs> Jesus. Uh Libby, welcome. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Livy, and I'm experiencing a pseudo Monday, so excuse me. Uh, 
it's one of those days where you brought a lot of work home. <laughs> yeah, it's been a day. All right, so sorry, I'm I'm like trying to like eat in between like uh, talking here, so I apologize if I come back choking the, on food. So so you're doing a Zell this this. Week. I'm I'm doing a Zell like now. If I pulled up like Final Fantasy and did a dungeon off to the side while I was like talking and eating and choking, um, it'd be like a full full Zell moment. But anyways, we'll keep this moving before I, I derail too much. So yeah, Saga will be delayed until early 2020. That's probably for the best, even though it's not going to make a difference in the world. Uh, so it's delayed till early 2020. Which game? The Sonic movie. It's not oh, a game. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I was you, totally you derailed. There. I was, I was He's busy, like, oh, you're still on I was Sonic. busy trying Goodbye. to like, uh, I'd like counter Instagram the rock as I'm trying to demonstrate that I have a busier day than he does. I'm failing, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I, I was trying to work my Instagram and my Twitters at the same time as I'm trying to keep up with the hipsters here in the room. And then I heard you delayed something. For some reason, when you said Sonic the Hedgehog, what I heard was Cyberpunk 2077. And I was about to have a fucking moment right here on the show when I was like, say what? <laughs> it got what? <laughs> well, 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 we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later because there's a little bit of news on that, which is not positive. Um, but yeah, Jay, tell us about Dauntless, um, the game that I haven't tried, but is very similar to a game that I really like. Yes, uh, and one that, in fact, I don't like. Uh, so, Dauntless, um, th- just so everybody's tracking, uh, Monster Hunter World is really the game that Pokey was referring to, and that one that he likes, that he recommended, that I bought with cash money that I earned from my own sweat, and it hated. Uh, now, that being said, it's a good example of, like, you know, not, not every game's for everybody, and even though, like, a game could review very well, and it just may not be for you. It, like, for example, I I absolutely felt like I was trying to eat broken glass trying to play Red Dead Redemption. Uh, but obviously, if you look at Metacritic, a whole lot of fucking people like that game. So just take that with a grain of salt. So Dauntless is a free-to-play game uh, that, it, that is kind of unique in a few ways. Um, it is very, very similar to Monster Hunter World. It is a- I would go so far as to say it is a uh, certainly a bit of an homage to Monster Hunter World. And, and my my perception right now, just based on some quick checks online, is that the developers are kind of unabashedly so that they that they really like the Monster Hunter World type of game and they wanted to iterate on that specific genre of game. Um, now there are some some very noticeable differences. So I'll give you kind of my my flash take on it real quick. Um, I actually enjoy playing Dauntless. Uh, surprisingly so. I was kind of guilted into getting it by my 10-year-old who wanted to get it to play with his friends. And I was like, okay, well, you know, and, and I check out these games before I, I'd let him download a game. So he's like, hey, I really want to play it with you, Dad. And I was like, okay, I've gone down this road with Fortnite. I'm not a huge Fortnite fan. I struggle with it. I, I had a, I had a, a uh, I will not recount it at this point in time. We can save it for a future show. But there was a there's a significant moment I had with my 10 year old and his little friends, uh, his squad, if you will. Um, it, during my last fortnight session with him, where it almost made me like, like, like all my agent orange come out right there at, at, at one moment. So, uh, just the word noob was involved and I was, had some struggles with my temper, but it's okay. So I, I got the game, downloaded it, and I honestly was expecting nothing out of it. 
I, I, I watched the trailer, didn't really know anything about the game, to be honest with you. I hadn't heard much about it, and I don't think they really advertised this a whole lot either. Um, so the, here's a couple things I noticed immediately. I did not understand that cross-play was fully activated on the game. 100% all platforms, Xbox, PC, PS4, you name it, they're, they're rocking in Dauntless. Um, pretty cool. Like next to each player name, you see the icon of what system they're on. Uh, and the game itself is because of the style of game, it matters not what you know system that you're playing on. So long story short, um, you know, I'm not going to go too much into the kind of the backstory, the kind of the world building they do. And they do a little bit of it in there, uh, probably about as much as you get out of a monster hunter. Um, but you, you effectively start in a big hub area, uh, a big, uh, kind of social area. Uh, it's, I think it's called like Ramsgate city or something like that. And you run around doing, and it's a very MMO esque type environment. It reminds me a lot of the, uh, kind of the, you know, sort of the, the large-scale sort of B-plus level MMOs that you see uh, even on console and certainly on PC, like your your um, Marvel Online, your DC Onlines, your uh, Dungeons & Dragons Online, you know, kind of EverQuest and all that kind of stuff. Very MMO-esque, MMO-esque in, the, uh, in the town. ton of different little quest givers, ton of different little, uh, little stations where you're going to do crafting, blacksmith for armor, blacksmith for weapons. Uh, you know, guild type people, things like that, all your normal stock things. Um, so you run around, you collect some of these things, you can do some adventuring and the little, and the city is actually quite big by the way. Um, and, and in fact, it definitely, you, you feel like you, you should be able to do a lot more in there or that there's a lot of potential there that they're not probably intentionally tapping yet. And then you go out and, and the gameplay loop is basically a monster hunter type, uh, type hunt. It's not quite as, or at least on these very early stages, it's not quite as elaborate in terms of trying to track down some of the monsters yet, but I, I, you can clearly see where it goes that way, where we have to do some finding and tracking of monsters. Um, but basically, you matchmake into into something, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how this all like comes together, just I'm kind of giving an overview. So you matchmake into uh, like a four-person, or I think maybe up to, Yes, four, four people, I think that's as high as it goes, and into a hunt. Go in, slay the monster, get some parts off the monster, which then you can use to craft other gear with, right? Again, the loop is not dissimilar from Monster Hunter. Now, let, let me sort of go back into the beginning and describe to you how this really clearly diverges from Monster Hunter, which is kind of where I started to find some enjoyment. Um, let me, so visually, the art style is very much uh, Blizzard-esque or Fortnite-esque. So I would say it's somewhere in between Fortnite and Overwatch in terms of the art style, but very much on that scale of things. Um, really neat looking, very very crisp, clean animations to what they do. Looks good, pretty nice. Um, you that's the first thing that you that you kind of notice. It looks good, good voice acting, all those kind of nice things. The gameplay itself sets up exactly like Fortnite. So um, it is, I believe, I don't think it's directly from Epic, but my understanding is that, that it's definitely shepherded by Epic, or at least part of the, the company is a part owner or subsidiary of Epic. At least that's 
that's what it seems to be. There's a lot of uh, questions back and forth on the on the interwebs about that. But it 100 uh, percent. If Epic, the guys that ran basically the Fortnite team, said, "How do we make remake Monster Hunter World in, into Fortnite?" That is what they've done. Um, so the loading screen that you do, the store screen that you do, the battle pass, everything is literally direct visual uh, signage, cut cloth, everything right out of Fortnite, um, which is starting to be interesting. And there's many things about games I don't like that are in this, but it comes together really nicely. It's a very clean experience, very simple, very easy, very, very nice team place co-op gameplay loop. Uh, the gameplay is really what separates itself from the old Monster Hunter world. So the old Monster Hunter, I, I like it. The combat itself was just not satisfying. And then what you did with them, you know, it seemed like it was a bit uh, overly elaborate and slow paced uh, getting into combat. That is absolutely not the case with this. So in order to get into combat in Monster Hunter, you had to go to the little cat chef. You had to watch the cat chef make some shit in the same cutscene you saw four million times. Then you had to go down to the board. You like do the thing. You like you go to find a flare. You do this and go track the monster down. It, it could take you a long time to actually get to a monster. And then you would kill the monster, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And then you got to repeat another 10 minute cycle to get to another monster. Um, this does not work that way. Once you hit, once you basically say, Hey, I'm going to go fight some monsters. You get your quest or you did whatever you want to do. Uh, you match make in looks just like Fortnite. You airdrop into uh, into the little hunt area, and then you go track the thing down, which is again at the earlier stages quite easy to do, very quick, and you can commence to slay that thing. The gameplay in the combat itself is, in my opinion, uh, noticeably quicker paced and more fluid than Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter was a very, you, you were not overly mobile in that game necessarily. And, you know, it's definitely a lot of timing and, you know, there's some things, you know, different kind of strategy you had to do. I could definitely see the appeal of it, but it wasn't for me. This game is sped up just enough to get over the hump of, it, it's not too much of a pain in the ass to play. Uh, so I think it's like just on the side of, Okay, this all kind of works in a way that is real natural, very clean, very simple. You could argue it's a simplified version of Monster Hunter World, and I think you'd not be wrong. Uh, and it just it's just enough different that it clicked over onto the, okay, this is fun to play. When you play with people, it is a lot of fun, like a lot of fun. Um, and there's a kind of, and there's a lot of sort of built-in things, even in like the emotes, um, your logins, logouts, you know, like all of the little ancillary things that you do uh, in a social game are just smashingly done. Literally some of the best emotes, poses, and, you know, uh, kind of, you know, voicing lines and stuff like that that I've seen in any game. They're absolutely hilarious. Uh, so there's there's just a lot going for it, and it's just different enough touched in uh, from Monster Hunter that I didn't immediately get turned off by. It's different than Fortnite because I'm not a big Fortnite fan. But again, it took these neat elements of two games I really don't care for all that much, brought them together in a slightly different package, and then so, and, you know I just find myself in a space where it's fun to play. It, this is not going to be my new bestie game or anything like that, but this is a fun knock-around game for friends to play 
it's kind of fun for me and my son to play. Uh, like I actually prefer playing this to Fortnite with him and it's, it's not overly complex or clunky the way I felt monster hunter was. So I'd say that's, that's kind of my hot take. Now, the, again, the, the kind of things that draw you know, some folks attention to, I may have been sleeping on this one in all fairness, because this is not the kind of game I would have been tracking, so to speak. But I don't remember a whole lot of people putting out information about Dauntless before it came out. I certainly didn't recognize that it was going to be full crossplay, uh, which is neat. It's very novel. It's got a nice little chat system in it. Uh, I've experienced no issues with it whatsoever, and it's, it's a good time. I uh, I think I recall. I think I recall hearing a little bit about it. Maybe. Yeah, like I knew that there was a game called Dauntless coming out, but I couldn't have told you boo about what the game was going to be. Yeah, at least I had heard about it, but it was in. I was in the middle of like my Monster Hunter World fandom, so it was just kind of like a. Eh, I'm not going to run off to play a game that's the same thing as I'm doing right now. So I never really got into it, but. Uh... Yeah, no, it, it's been it's been a quiet one, but I think that that style of game has always really struggled to really grip Western audiences because, like, Monster Hunter is not a new series by any means. There's like half a dozen games that came out before World, and they were like insanely popular in Japan. It, they were over here, but they just never really stuck. Um, World was the first where it really kind of grabbed the popularity. But I mean, like, what you're describing, Jay, is it? it, it I would say that Monster Hunter is a very very Japanese style game, like <clears throat> just like the level of detail, the, the intricacy, like that, like huge focus on kind of the whole preparing, like the sequence and the experience, like a lot of that stuff is not going to appeal to a lot of people. Um, but I think the gameplay uh, definitely does translate well. Like it's, it's, it's enjoyable, but it just needs to be tweaked a little more towards, I think what Western audiences are more used to, which is perhaps, you know, gets the action faster, things move a little bit quicker, it's a bit, you know, faster paced. So I, I think that, you know, if if they were going to try to make a game to kind of capture that monster hunting style gameplay for a Western audience, the change that you're describing in Dauntless um, is, is probably where they needed to go with it. And they'll probably actually do quite well. I've heard that it had, let me look it up. It's like 24 million people or something like that. Let me Let me check real quick here. Okay, sorry. It was uh, 6 million players just a week after the launch from the beta. So, I mean, it, it spiked really quick. Um, and it's doing quite well, I think, which is, which is good. You know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a unique gameplay experience that other games that you really haven't touched on it very much. Like Monster Hunter has kind of been its own genre for a very long time. Um, but seeing another strong contender come out is, is encouraging. I'm, I'm glad to see that it's doing well. And uh, it is interesting, but I understand... Now that you describe the changes, why that is probably a little more appealing um, to some people uh, as compared to like Monster Hunter World. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's a neat combination of uh, different sort of things from around multiple games that kind of came together in a, in a good way. And again, I would say just that's kind of for me, but you know, just doing a quick check, it's getting really good reviews generally from most people. I mean, there's not a lot to. I think a lot of the rough edges or the things that made Monster Hunter one of those kind of hot or cold games gets rounded off a lot in this style. Uh, so it's, it probably could have a, a broader based uh, kind of appeal. Again, it's so it's free to play. You can definitely pay to look cool. And you, I mean, it's, it's the exact model coming out of Fortnite. Um, so you can, 
you know, you can grind for in-game currency. You can buy packs. You can do battle pass stuff. You can do all that kind of jazz. Uh, doesn't affect your gameplay. The weapon system is you – know, the gameplay itself is, is actually not bad. The weapon system and the armor system is pretty cool. It's a more simplified version, I think, of the process you go through with Monster Hunter World a little bit. Um, you don't have some of the frills like uh, like building up your little like hooch or whatever with all your kind of little shit that you collected in Monster Hunter World, but you kind of don't really need it. It kind of just really makes a very streamlined version of the game. And, and again, the combat is just different enough that it's it's a little bit more fun. Like you feel it feels a little bit better. Um, not a lot. And like I said, it's just it's a good example of how a little change can go a long way. So overall, I would I would recommend people uh, to, to definitely check it out. If you like Monster Hunter World or you were like or maybe more like me, maybe where you're like, hey, look, I can see the appeal, but this may be not for me. The game is free to play. It's it is probably worth your time to download and kind of mess around with it for a little bit just to check it out. Um, I don't think it's going to be the next big thing, but I can one hundred percent see uh, this really competing well with something like Monster Hunter. When you can be like, "Am I getting that much different or better of an experience by paying for a full price game and all the DLCs, or or going with a Fortnite style model?" with a free to playing game. Uh, and, and by the way, I would also offer that, you know, like Apex, Dauntless, things like that, you're really seeing some more people edging into the high-end free-to-play market. Uh, interesting side note, I'll just have to sort of like leave this little thought grenade in here. There's a lot of bubbling rumor about Anthem going free-to-play, uh, like full free-to-play here and a little bit in it. Uh, or, or trying to figure out how is that part of their strategy to save what is basically a dead game or ro- ro- not save a dead game, but to reanimate or re, you know, sort of, you know, zombify a currently what I would classify as a dead game. Um, how do you take something like Anthem and then you f- basically ground up work it as a free to play model of it, which I, again, they will have, there, there's pros and cons of doing that, particularly with a game like Anthem and, and the, the struggles they've gone through with it. But I think you're going to start to see a little bit more people leaning into some of the, those type of categories. The one big downfall you have these uh, games as a service type activities, which we see in every game that, that we all play as a group, uh, it, the voracious need for content is I, like the only game that has sustained that has been Epic with Fortnite. Because if you, it, I, I would just offer, if you think about one of the things that's clearly separated Fortnite from everybody else, other than they, they jump in, you know, kind of the battle royale thing and basically stole a lot of a lot of PUBG Thunder uh, with a, a really stripped down, clean experience and a couple novel mechanics. It's been their ability to just continue the faucet of content that pours into that game. Uh, like that is the number one separator I've seen with a lot of these. So if Dauntless follows a similar model with content coming, con- you know, just a steady stream of it, they're going to continue to do well. The biggest problem, like, for example, Apex has right now is that they are sticking with a seasonal release model. They are adamant that they want to stay with a seasonal release model. If, Ep- if Apex had a more steady stream of, of content, not a drip of content, but a steady stream of content the way Fortnite does, 
I think their numbers would still be quite high. They're not bad, but they've definitely tailed off quite a bit after the first rush because people played the shit out of that game for like a month, month and a half, and they're like, okay, I'm done now till the till the DLC. Or, or, or not the DLC, but rather the, the next seasonal update. Uh, whereas Fortnite's one of the very, very few games that just doesn't play ball that way. They just continue to, to punch out stuff all the time. So just, I don't know, just kind of a thought generally on how I see a little bit of the you know, landscape shifting. I mean, it certainly helps when your game is entirely focused around PvP because generating content at that point is pretty much just generating mild variations of that PvP and throwing cosmetics in there. When you get games like, <clears throat> you know, Destiny and Division, where it's, I'd argue it's, it's mostly a PvE-focused game, content is just, like, missions and areas and, and all kinds of stuff. It's much more expensive to run that um, and, and produce content for that. So you, you see a lot of these games come out, like, in Division 2 came out with a, a strong a strong amount of content. Like, it, it lasted quite a while with its initial offering, but even that's kind of, you know, it's kind of dipped off. You know, it's just, it, it's too hard to maintain that is in a very long-term sense. Um, Destiny, you know, had its ups and downs, of course, but with like, uh, like with uh, Fortnite or uh, Apex, you know, when the content is people just playing it, I think it's far more easy to, to maintain that ongoing service of just generating content. I mean, Fortnite just... They pretty much throw cosmetics at the game, and money comes out, and they just you know rinse and repeat. And they they put some cool variations on on what you're doing, but the core gameplay really hasn't changed. So you don't have to sink a ton of resources in it to get a good return on it. But it's much more risky in these games that are PVE focused. So you know I think you're going to always see that the very heavily PVP focused ones are going to be much stronger in the long term, and you're going to see a lot of the same issues I think in the in you know, PVE focused games. So it's it's going to be curious to see how that evolves over time because, <clears throat> you know, gaming as a service or whatever you want to call it is is certainly, you know, expected now for a lot of these games, these big, you know, AAA titles. Um, you know, personally, I've been enjoying some single player stuff a little bit more just because it's a little more of a compact, complete unit um, as opposed to this thing that's going to expect you to take, you know, hours and hours every week just to kind of get its value out. But uh, no, it's, it's going to be really curious to see how it evolves because it, it definitely has shown its weaknesses, I think, and, and shown its strengths in other ways. Yeah, totally concur with that, man. All right, so let's move along. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Zal, I'll let you kind of tee this one off. Um, talk about Journey coming to the Epic Game Store and some of the other titles that are kind of following that same path. I'm, I've actually... Um... I've had like a bunch of commotion here, and and so I'm actually oh, okay. really lucky. I'm actually really lucky that I happen to um, hear Zell. I want you to do this, and I'm like, <laughs> cool. I'm here. So, um, yeah, this is just one of those stories that I saw, and it, it's always fun for me because I think the Epic Game Store thing is is pretty cool, and I'm I'm totally on board with it. Um, but obviously, it's been uh, unpopular with a, a certain crowd of of uh, Steam obsessed gamers. Um, but so I like to rub it in a little bit whenever cool stuff is is Epic Games exclusive. Um, not because I really care, but because it really annoys other people. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just saw the story that uh, Journey, which is a, a game that's been PlayStation exclusive for like seven years, something like that. It's an old game. Um, like it sits out. It's been there. Yeah, is is going to be uh, coming to uh, the Epic Game Store as an exclusive, and I thought that was really interesting, uh, in particular because 
one of the other big exclusives they announced was that Quantic Dream, which used to be a PlayStation exclusive developer, was bringing their you know three best known titles um, to the Epic Game Store as well. So you know the thing that was hitting me there, and and there were a couple others like um, one of the games that. Um, uh epic did an exclusive or like a free game launch thing it's not an exclusive but they did like the free game for two weeks thing uh was world of goo which is like a 10 year old game but then they paid to have you know they paid for it and then the developers made a, a patch to update it for you know higher definition screens and and stuff like that and it, kind of a refresh from a game that really hadn't been touched in a long time um so it, it kind of seemed to me like maybe that they were going after, um, you know, older catalog titles where maybe the exclusivity agreements that the developers made were no longer valid, but those titles still hadn't been seen by PC players, you know? Like, if you're a PC gamer, you haven't played Detroit Become Human, and you haven't played, you know, even Heavy Rain, which is, you know, was a PS3 game, Um you know, you might not know anything about it because it was, you know, something that gets packed in in bundles of, you know, when you buy a PS3. Um, that's how I got it in the first place. Yeah, I'm kind of curious if, you know, these exclusive agreements that they've had with PlayStation are just expiring and Epic is seen as an opportunity to maybe get, you know, some some titles that were previously not available on, on PC on the cheap kind of. And developers are certainly going to be all for it because the games probably aren't really selling that well anymore on PlayStation. So it's like, hey, it's a free bump to pretty much, well, not free, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice bump to put it on a new platform of people who have never had access to it before and probably, you know, get some more exposure. And I think that's, it's just interesting to see that, you know, you're, you're starting to see these exclusives that, you know, in recent memory have been always stuck there, but, you know, you tend to forget that exclusives are usually a timed exclusive to an extent, and then they might pay for, you know, five years on PlayStation or whatever. Um, and it's it's a good opportunity for a developer or a, a company like Epic to kind of go, hey, here's a, a lump of cash, throw us on our store, and, you know, we'll, we'll both make some money. And I think it's it's really interesting, but it's also good because, you know, like I said, like Journey is a fantastic game. Like it is, I won't say much about it because it'll kind of spoil the, the, the core the core concept behind it, but it's a, it's a very unique game and it's very, very good. And it's a game that I would suggest anyone to play, but in many cases you, you weren't able to because you may not have been a console player. So it's good to see that this stuff is coming kind of back from the grave, so to speak. Um, and, and even if it is an Epic game store exclusive, even if you hate Epic or whatever, um, having at least the opportunity to play it uh, on PC is, is really cool. I think. Yeah. One of the, yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with you on that one. Um, I do find it interesting, like we and we've talked a little bit about some of the moves Epic has been apparently making uh, over the last week slash months. Um, I, 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 I'm kind of, I'm kind of of two minds of this. One is I really don't need another launcher and sort of apps, you know, app store du jour, if you will, because there, there's any number of those that you can pick out. Um, however. I like the fact that Epic is a bit of a disruptor in the market. They're big enough and have enough money that you can't ignore them. So it's actually driving a lot of other people in the space to do things differently and change how they're looking at things. So that, that in and of itself is, is actually a big benefit to me as a customer. I, I like, I like it when things start to 
rattle a status quo and a market a little, a little bit. Um, it may not always be for the better, frankly, but there, it's good to kind of inject some of this new blood in there. When everything was dri- driven by steam, you were kind of chained to steam. Now you've got a potential viable competitor with them, which will offer some different different things. Uh, I kind of view it the same way with the console stuff. You know, I, I like having other consoles that are out there that are viable. Um, that being said, uh, things like cross-play and cross-save are very, very important to me as a, as a consumer and as a general gamer. Uh, I want to have the broadest audience of people to play with to play the widest range of games. And I, I don't know, like, and just locking me into a single console is kind of, or, or, you know, PC style is, that's, that's just frustrating. I think we've technology and society has kind of progressed way beyond that um, in terms of what's possible. And I think where Epic comes in is they're really, you know, because they are sort of that, the newer kid on the block, but they are so powerful uh, from a financial sense and ha- with the market share that they run. Uh, I don't know that anybody else would have entered in and really been able to challenge steam. I, I mean, you, I, I don't, I don't even think if some, if like Microsoft, uh, tried to challenge them or Google direct, like as a direct targeted challenges, I don't think they would have got the same traction because we've seen all of the, a lot of these other companies mess around with us. Google's trying to do kind of get into the game market a little bit again, but I don't think you'd have seen a lot of people uh, challenge Steam. It takes somebody like Epic, who's totally coming out of left field, and uh, you know, to to go after this, to I think shake up the the landscape. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right that it it, it really is a when you got a heavyweight like Steam, you know, you pretty much have to come in and just literally throw everything you have at it to just, you know, force your way in. And Epic certainly has. And, and you know, like I said, everyone's going to agree or disagree with the methods they're using. Um, but regardless, what they're doing is is disruptive. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in the long run. In the short term, it might cause chaos. But typically speaking, you, you kind of have to cause a little bit of chaos to, you know, get things to change and improve. So, you know. Absolutely. It, yeah. I mean, it's... Like I said, people will disagree with the whole exclusive and that it's bad for consumers because you're forcing. Uh, okay, fine. There's an argument to be made there. I don't personally agree, but there's an argument to be made there. But you know, I mean, if if, if you if you're gentle about it, and they came in, they went, "Hey, we're not going to do any exclusives. We're just gonna, I don't know, be here." No one's going to move off of Steam for that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, like the the biggest thing is. I've talked to a lot of people who are upset about Epic's exclusive policy and, and, you know, I've asked them like, so, so let's, you know, let's say a game's released on both and it's 10 bucks cheaper on Epic. Where are you going to buy it? And they're like, well, on Steam, because that's where all my other games are. The problem is, is Steam's been around for, you know, a decade and a half. That's where everybody's games are. There's no way to, to resist that except to literally drag people kicking and screaming away. Um, I, you know, particularly from the tech company side of things, I've followed monopolies a lot, um, and I've looked at, you know, how they work and and what keeps them in in power, and you can't just, you know, go at them the nice way. You have to go after them in every single way you can because the amount of advantage they have going for them is immense. Yeah, no, I think I think you really hit on the money there, Sal. And <clears throat> it's it's uh, my question is always going to be, 
what's the long-term effect of this? Is it, is it going to actually shake things up or is it just going to cause, you know, short-term chaos or is it just going to be an always constant source of irritation or, or will people actually adjust to it and, and kind of get over it in the long term? Um, I mean, how many people have you seen complain about origin in the past couple of years? Well, and I actually mentioned this before when that, when that first came out, people were like, Oh my God, I got to download another launch. That's terrible. And now the, now the conversation has changed to, well, it's a first party launcher. That's they, they, they put their games, in their own launcher. You know, that makes sense. That's okay. But screw Epic. That's terrible. I'm like, all right, well, we'll see what you say in five years, you know, um, once you've gotten used to it. And if, if what Epic is doing is, is more acceptable at that point. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll and, have to see. And I, th- I think that's a big thing. But, you know, it's like, uh, honestly, I'm just thrilled with the amount of money they're throwing at, at gaming. Um, not only are they letting developers keep more of it, of, of sales there, but, you know, they're, and right now during this sale, with you know, they're giving, they're doing the free games every week instead of every two weeks. Um, they're literally just covering 10 bucks of your purchase price of like every game you buy through their store but like even when they're not in the sale they're giving giving out games every two weeks and they're paying developers to you know update those games launch those games on epic um they're injecting a ton of money into into the gaming industry here um and even those exclusives are eventually going to end up on steam i mean all exclusives are timed exclusives um so except for the ones they they own out right like uh well, yeah, rock yeah. league and stuff uh, yeah i mean you know but overall most of these ones that people are complaining about are and i don't i don't know if i think uh i don't know if i think they would ever go fully exclusive on rocket league because of the the existing community they they really have built their best to leave it like it is i they've, think they've been very hesitant to actually commit to a concrete plan on that and with the amount of people who play that game on steam currently and own it and will be have it in their library i think it would be a very hard sell to say hey you can't buy it on here anymore unless they at least have a very robust way for you to play with steam players i mean imagine you you want to play with somebody they own it on steam and and since then you know it's been delisted from steam doesn't make any sense then they're telling you you can't play with your friends um so I, I they'll either have to have a really good, you know, cross-play story for that at the very least, um, that involves actually being able to party with users from another, um, you know, from another platform. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to just see it stay there. You know, maybe maybe have some better offers or exclusives, uh, you know, features or something like that on on the, the Epic side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of going back to an earlier point you made. It, it, it's crazy the amount of money they're throwing at it. And the thing is that Epic is in such a strong position now because, like, if you, let's say you, you're you really um, fired up about this and you don't want to support Epic in any way to continue doing this, that means you can't buy any of their games, you can't play any of their games, so you can't play Fortnite. Because even if you don't spend money in Fortnite, you're playing the game, and if you're playing the game in... A multiplayer game you're providing content for people who are paying for the games you're supporting them that way you can't buy or play any game that is running on unreal three or four because you're indirectly supporting you know uh you know, epic in that way so they're in a position where like literally if you want to boycott them there's a lot of shit you can't even touch anymore 
and and I think it's it's a really hard sell for like people to, to truly go. I'm never going to touch an epic, you know, anything or or play anything with Unreal. It's it's just too difficult now. Um, I mean, you could do it, but there's there's a lot of big games out there that are that are um, coming out with Unreal. I mean, hell, like Final Fantasy VII or the remake is coming out on Unreal Four. You know, like and that's a big single player title by Square Enix. And it's still be using the Epic Engine, and they know that they are going to have that income from all of these games, um, no matter what you decide to do. So they, they can afford to be super aggressive with their, with their currency. And you, you see them doing that with these exclusives, with these big sales where they're just eating the cost on, you know, tons and tons of money. They just do not give a shit. Um, and that's probably what's going to allow them to maintain this for a very long time because, you know, unless people stop using Unreal Engine to make stuff, they're going to have that cash flow for a very long time. Um, so, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm really curious to see if they maintain it, and they probably will, what the long-term effect is going to be. Because I mean, we, we know what the short-term effect is. It's going to cause a lot of chaos. But I'm really curious to see how the market ultimately adjusts to Epic's presence and how they, how they do their business model. Okay, I think we're probably good on that one. So the, the one that's... I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Can I, can I actually add a topic? Uh, yeah, go for it. It's kind of relevant. So um, this is one I just thought of like while we were talking. Um, so one of the things I saw an announcement for, they have like a beta version of launchers. Uh, you know GOG, right? Uh, yes, of course. Um, and uh, I would argue in, in some ways GOG is a really good example of uh, what happens when you when you try to play the good guy to the fact that you just don't really succeed as a business all that well. Um, because, uh, you know, GOG is a, you know, they sell DRM-free games as as a rule, um, and they tend to have a lot of legacy games that are updated to run on, on newer computers and stuff like that. And they've done some really cool stuff, um, like um, GOG Connect, which occasionally lets you import games that you own on Steam. They just say, well, you own it on Steam, so we'll just give it to you on GOG just outright, which is kind of nice. Um, but it's, it's kind of... It doesn't work well for their business in a certain respect, though, because uh, it makes it more more sensible to buy it on Steam because then you get it on Steam and GOG. So when they put a game on GOG Connect, it does not make sense to buy it on GOG. But whatever. Um, so they announced, uh, and they have their own launcher, of course, um, which is completely optional because the games are DRM-free. You can just download them. But uh, their launcher is called GOG Galaxy, and they actually announced and started a beta for... Um, GOG Galaxy 2.0, and the reason this is interesting is because they have bragged about its um, ability to be your master launcher for everything. So they say they're going to let you import your games from PC and consoles and organize them all into a collection that you're going to be able to see all of your achievements, games played, owned, everything across all the platforms. Um, it, it does say in the FAQ you have to have those launchers installed, so presumably it's like pulling your stats out of Steam and showing them in the, the Galaxy launcher alongside, you know, for all these other games. Um, they're hesitant to, like, th at this point, it doesn't seem like they're saying, hey, these are the, these are the ones we support right now, um, but, uh, you know, they, they have some, some pretty crazy and lofty promises here. Um, in terms of like being able to uh, chat with all of your friends on all of those different game launcher platforms as well. 
No, I mean, that's that, that would be nice. I mean, I know that like uh, Steam has a way to import games from other launchers. Like, it, it just you can launch the EXE from Steam, but like having something that's full cross platform, like full spectrum, uh, that's pretty cool. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're going far enough to say no, you know, like it, uh, I put the link on, on the, the little text chat for you, but, um, like it says, no matter on which platform your friends are, you can chat with them, you know, and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how all this is supposed to work. Like, is it, well, if you're on GOG Galaxy, you can talk to people on each of the ones, or are they thinking you're going to be able to talk to, like, I, I'm really curious. Like, can you do a group chat with people from different games? You know, game platforms? Kind of doubt it. Um, but basically, if you look at this page, their their uh, their promises are pretty lofty for for you know the one game launcher to ru- to rule them all. Um, it's kind of interesting. No, it's it's certainly in. Uh... A good direction to go i think that offering that where it's like doesn't matter where you buy it you can just have this one thing and you know they, they those launchers may exist on your computer in the dark dusty corners but you only have to open up our launcher and you've got everything no matter where you bought it that's that's uh I, it's, it's, it's appealing i think i've i've seen some some i'm doing some quick looking as you're as you're kind of talking about this the uh, again the idea of it briefs really well it sounds well i'm just really kind of curious uh, you know how how actually possible it is to do that um i i, I don't know i mean like i said I, I i think we're kind of in the age of sort of a la carte uh programming slash content delivery uh you know that that's sort of what you're what you're getting here in the games uh, i think you cut out there jay Am I still here? Can you hear me, Zell? Yes. Okay. I think I think, I think, I think we just I lost think, Jay. I think Jay f- his his finger fell off the button or something. I don't it, know. It, it can't be as bad um, as the one episode where I had to cut out like probably forty five minutes of silence because he kept we kept losing him. It was uh, it was fun. Okay. Um. But yeah, I I mean I, I get what he's saying. I I definitely think the 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 implementation details are going to matter. Um, the FAQ for uh, GOG Galaxy talks about um, some of, you know, that they want to support all these different integrations and all these different services and that, that it's going to take a long time and it's going to be a work in progress. And I'm like, yeah, so it's probably be very piecemeal. Um, Steam has a really good API, so I wouldn't be too shocked if they can do like everything they want to do uh, with Steam. Um but like I've looked into, you know, some of the other game launchers probably take a little bit of effort to try and, uh, you know, suss out even basic functionality uh, for, you know, integration with the APIs of these different other platforms. Probably some rough hackery as well. Oh, sounds pretty good to me. Okay, so uh, do you guys want to talk about E3 real quick? Just, uh, Just some, uh... Some... Is anyone going to like? Is 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 anyone actually presenting anything at E three? Didn't like everybody say we're, we don't have any. We're we're not going to have a table at E three, and we're not either. Uh, well, yeah. So so Sony pulled out. Obviously, that that's kind of was the big one. Is that Sony will not have a official presentation, um, which is very different from what they had last year, which was actually pretty elaborate. Um, I'm kind of wondering if that didn't pan out as well as they had hoped it would for the investment. And I think that they, they're kind of doing their own thing now, kind of copying Nintendo's model, like Nintendo Direct. They've got the Sony State of the Game or something like that, which is it's it's, it's a work in progress. They're getting there. It's, it's not bad, but it could be better. 
Um, but there are a lot of individual developers and games that are coming out on PlayStation and other platforms, of course, they're going to be at E3. And I was just curious if you guys had any ones that you, you know are going to be there or hope will be there. Uh, anything in particular? Open floor? Um, I think the new, I would assume at least that the new Ghost Recon game is going to be there. Um, I actually didn't know that they were going to be making another one um, until I saw an ad for it. Uh, I think it was on like fucking Instagram or something the other day, but um, it was a it was a nice surprise. And I haven't seen. I know Jay was talking about like 15 minutes of gameplay uh, that I guess Ubisoft released uh, not too terribly long ago, um, but. I'm hoping, and if Jay does come back, maybe he can confirm this. I'm back, I'm back. Oh, my God, he's back. Cool. So, Jay, is the new Ghost Recon, uh, was it Breakout or whatever they're going to call it, is that? Breakpoint. Yeah, Breakpoint. Are they moving away from the kind of, like, um, I guess, Division or uh, Wildlands style of of gameplay, and are they going to, like, return to... Um, I guess, quote unquote, traditional Ghost Recon, more along the lines of like Graw or, or even Future Soldier. Um, well, it depends on what you mean by uh, traditional Ghost Recon. I, I would offer that uh, the, the biggest difference in something like Wildlands and uh, traditional Ghost Recon is instead of giving you a uh, here's an a la carte mission go from point A to point B, do a thing, you kind of can select your missions and, and how you navigate there is sort of on your own. But what you do when you get to the objective area, it, I, I, you know, I, I think clearly was just a, a natural technological progression from the original Ghost Recon just because of what you could do in the game more. Um, there are some departures, though, with Breakpoint that are that are noticeable. Um, I think the your kind of, you know, your basic control schema and, so, sort of like what you can do is similar to Wildlands. At least that's what it looks like. Obviously, haven't you know nobody's really touched that game. Just what we can see. Um, it, it is they've added some survival mechanics in there that are uh, very noticeable in terms of how you deal with injury over time. How injury debilitates your 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 actual gameplay. And then, you know, there's some mechanisms that you have to go through to like alleviate, you know, like mitigate those injuries. Uh, and you don't, and, and you do not have AI companions either. That is a, that is a big change. Uh, so if you want to play with other people, like, or you, you can play solo. They're, they're absolutely, you know, adamant about that. However, if you want to have any help, you're going to have to have another human being. It, you're not going to get it from the AI. Um, Whereas in Ghost Recon of any given flavor, um, or even the old Rainbow Siege games, you you had some fairly competent AI that was helping you out at times. Uh, Division, obviously, you, you don't really you, in Division Two. There's kind of some like world AI that helps that you can interact with, but not. But in terms of like actual tactical coordination, that's you. That's you and another human being. That's definitely where Breakpoint is at. Um, so that's a noticeable change. Um, does that kind of make sense, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. That actually sounds kind of interesting um, as far as the lack of, uh, of or the, yeah, the lack of AI. Um, so I, I, I was just saying earlier, I don't know if you caught it, I hadn't seen 
the the uh, any of the new gameplay for it that Ubisoft released. I literally just found out about the game like two or three days ago. Um, so I, I I am excited to, to uh, see more at E3. Uh, hopefully, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be there. Um, so that'll be cool. Yeah, no, I, I would I, I would highly encourage. It. It's like a fifteen minute video. It's really good. Um, I, I would like. I, I definitely kind of uh, like I said. I, I kind of got reinvigorated on Wildlands of the last week or two after the Breakpoint announcement came out. Or breaking point announcement came out. Um, I, I think there's a lot. There's probably going to be a lot to offer. Now, where I think that Wildlands shines now that it did not shine as much when it first came out, where I think Breaking Point's really going to try to go after things is it is a a hyper grounded uh, sort of hyper realistic sort of take on these things. So you, you much in the way Division was is very much a um, Almost like a a real time. Um, uh, God, what did we what did we uh, pokey? What did we kind of phrase Division Two as? It was sort of it's like uh, XCOM. Yeah, right. It's sort of like real time, you know, high speed XCOM. Um, that that that's pretty cool. I mean, there's you know, I, but you know, Wildlands plays a lot different than Division. I mean, they're two very different games. They're, they're clearly in the same universe, but different games. Um, there are a little bit more sort of uh, sci-fi type elements in terms of the technology that you're dealing with, particularly on the enemy side in Breakpoint, which looks a lot like what you see in Division 2. There's a lot of background speculation that Division 2, and that down the road you may see some level of a crossover event between uh, the Ghost Recon and Division 2 elements. In fact, there's a lot of neat speculation in the interwebs that the hunters in Division 2 are actually ghosts that are hunting down, uh, potentially hunting down rogue agents or, or trying to clean up the mess that maybe parts of the division made. And there's a lot of neat sort of thematic overtones from the wolves who, who are basically ghosts sort of gone rogue and what the hunters look like. Um, I would recommend taking a look at the 15-minute gameplay. You'll probably like it. Like I said, some, you'll see some noticeably different mechanics in there. Uh it's pretty solid. I'm, I'm definitely interested, but because it's a hyper-realistic sort of game, uh, I, I will say this. Um, it's definitely falls in the market of game plays best with other people. Like you got to really get like a group of four, you know, four people together that want to really try to go after some tactical problem solving and teamwork generated play. And, and I really like that. I like that a lot. So I, I would be like I'd be on board if you guys want to do like a uh, let's play of uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands kind of re- a revisit uh, and then may or maybe kind of we jump in on uh, you know Breakpoint something like that that might be kind of fun with uh, with the group of us just kind of the way we, we tend to play stuff so uh, but you definitely got to take it seriously like, there's not a lot of like there, there's not a lot of YOLO involved in this. Uh, Unless you're really going over the top to try to make a, a humor video or something. I'm, I'm going to break this down for you, Jay. The first time I played Ghost Recon Wildlands was with my brother. I want you to imagine Dante stealth so bad bad. His idea of stealth is if you kill everyone with a bomb, they won't know you're there. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, and I know some people out there have met Dante, at least you know virtually uh, here on the show. Uh, Pokey's brother Dante legitimately believes 
in his heart as though it is a real thing that being on fire is an actual stunt, something that you skill into in division two. <laughs> he told me, he's like, division isn't really my favorite game. Like I kind of like games where I can just like go at Yell the end and of the scream game. and you know, he, he just wants to play Warlock is all it really is. Like that's all he really wants to play. Say what? Warlock from, from destiny. Oh, so he can light himself on fire and, Flaming swords and all that jazz. No, uh, yeah, no, you're, you're right, Jay. Like that game is. I, I saw the appeal, but with the group I was with at the time, it was like it's actually impossible to finish this mission because one of our people cannot help from firing his gun at least once in the middle of the sneaking section. Like it was, it was bad. But you, you really have to coordinate with that. It's a much more down to earth, serious experience. That's for sure. Yeah, I really like the. Uh, I I really like the aspects that, that are involved in those games. So if you like like the real, like kind of that tactical uh, tactical shooter gameplay, that is definitely a game, uh, like a game for you. You know what would be kind of fun? I'll throw this out there at you, Pokey. What if we, what if we jump in on um, either like a Wildlands or a Breakpoint, and then we bring in Nomex? We ask Nomex to come play with us. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, that would like, be intense. So, so the, the funny the funny part about that is uh, like having played with Nomex quite a bit uh, and you know me and him kind of go go way back. Um, I I would probably legitimately we'd have to set some ground rules between me and him that we can't take this too seriously because we would start to become uh, you'd probably start start to see our day jobs come out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like standing in the corner, like, what's going on? Is there? <laughs> yeah, like they're not be... speaking English anymore. I don't really. What is? There's all these acronyms what, what and just on? these hand signals. I don't even know what the hell this means. <laughs> no, that would be that would be actually pretty. Honestly, that would actually be a really cool series if you had, like you said, guys like you that that do this stuff in their day job play a game like that and, and show how you would actually execute that and how you would behave in that rather than, you know, what your average gamer would do. I think that'd be actually really interesting. Uh, so, uh, or not, I've, I've kind of looked into this a little bit and there's a, uh, there's definitely an element, you know, cause it's, it's certainly a game. So there's a lot of, well, you can do this because it's fun, you know, like, or, or, you know, like this mechanic is in place because of fun. That being said, um, uh, there's a lot of really neat sort of things you can do and just playing around in Wildlands, particularly when you start amping it up to a much higher difficulty level uh, that, you know, it's very unforgiving if, if you, if you do something stupid or it can be certainly. So when you, if you kind of creep up the difficulty level a little bit and you're really trying to coordinate with people, it, it, it really requires some good cross coordination and good communication uh, to describe what's going on, particularly when you start wanting to do sync shots and you're trying to call and you're calling and sharing targets out to each other. That's actually very, that's not dissimilar from how, how we do things. So it's, it's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, sort of my background, you, you know, in the military was, uh, you know, it, this is going to sound odd when I say it. So the way that you play Ghost Recon in terms of it being a, an actual reconnaissance and, and predominantly a reconnaissance and surveillance game, you know, where like positioning and observation are really where your forte is. That's, that's really what the, a large part of my career was, um, as opposed to, you know, like the, the rush around shooting in the face stuff. So I, I, I kind of played a, you know, I played quote unquote, like a lot of what I did was in a much 
smaller environment with, uh, uh, you know, how do you find out everything in the world about a given area or, you know, set of people or a person or whatever. Uh, and then eventually you, you set conditions for yourself or really somebody else to do something about it. Uh, so, so that actually plays really well with ghost recon, but it'd be kind of fun. We could, I'll tell you what, I can reach out to, to Nomex and see if he might be interested in it, but, Maybe we put that as, as a neat little project that we can either take on either with Wildlands or Breakpoint or something like that, where we can, uh, you know, may, maybe throw something up on Twitch or something like that. That that might be kind of a fun sort of uh, uh, how how to not be a tactical asshole, you know. And <laughs> tactical asshole. <laughs> yes. By the way, I freely admit that needs I stole to be that. an episode I, name. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I stole that from. So we, if we if we do that, we've got to give all credit to Andy Stump from uh, Cleared Hot Podcast. I stole that. He did a side quest thing where he breaks down uh, uh, military movies called Tactical Assholes. Uh, so after listening to a couple episodes of that, I was like, yes, I know exactly where this comes from. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely look into that, man. It sounds pretty cool. I would be willing to get rid of my Xbox and jump onto the PS4 train for this if Breakpoint or whatever the fuck it's called looks that good. I yeah, I would do that and jump in with. Well, I tell you, uh, yeah, no shit. Like, hop on YouTube after you get off the show, and then just check out the like. It's about a fifteen minute, fifteen minute cut of of uninterrupted gameplay. Uh, that is pretty baller. Like I like I know it's it is gameplay you know it's it's it is a hype video but it is it definitely showcases what you can clearly do and and after having played Wildlands pretty in depth for the last two weeks I see the linkages of what that gameplay is uh, in, in terms of what you can really do and where the differences are I, I think you'll like it I, I really I think you'll like it babe. Perfect, because I played the hell out of Graw Two and Future Soldier. I okay, really like okay. those Ghost Recon games. Yeah, yeah, no, no drama, man. We'll take a look at it. We can chat about it next show, and then maybe we can. Uh, I'll, like I said, I'll reach out to Nomex, and maybe we can put a, a little Let's Play series together. Sounds good. Was there any other uh, things you guys are looking forward to for E three? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. It's uh, unfortunately not going to be playable. I mean, I won't I'm be there well, anyways, but. You know, it's it's they're gonna have gameplay. They've already confirmed that, so that's that's exciting. Because they said it, it's actually changed quite a bit from what we saw last year, and I'm really keen to see what uh, progress they've made. So I heard a stat today that they have like 400 people working on that game. Like it's obscene. Um, yep. Very excited. Yeah, no, no, I, I am. I'm. That's probably the number one game that I want to hear more about uh, at this coming coming E3 is. Uh, I want a clean and clear update on where they're at, kind of what they're looking for. Uh, yeah, I've, I've obviously heard they, they, there's a lot of things that have been changed. And it's like they are full tilt boogie working on that game over at CD Projekt Red. That's absolutely 100% sure. I've, I've ran into a couple. Uh, there's a, uh, a pretty, pretty cool uh, Polish content creator uh, called Outstar. She's really, really good. And uh, she, she actually worked at CD Projekt Red for a little bit. Uh, you, you know, doing some some graphic artwork. She works in a different studio now, but she covers actually a lot of games that I'm interested in, uh, particularly Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Bloodlines 2, which I'm super stoked about. Very big fan of uh, the old Vampire Masquerade, kind of World of Darkness uh, series. Uh, so Bloodlines 2 is coming out for all, all platforms this fall, I want to say October, September, October. Uh, 
you know, she covers that and a couple other things, but she's talked quite a bit about cyberpunk and because she did work there and, and she gets a, she can kind of recount a lot of the uh, sort of Polish language um, uh, interviews and stuff like that. She gives it, it's a slightly different insight uh, that, that she has, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, so I, I'm very, very eager to see what is coming out with uh, 2077 really in terms of the changes and if they have anything more sort of definitive on like an ETA, like even a broad-based ETA for the game, I'm, my honest my honest opinion is I think it's going to be a. Uh, I, I think they would be best served if it was a launch title for next gen, but you know, just we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I don't think putting it on on PS4 is is wise, and if if they do, it would have to be on both. But it should really be a launch title for for the next one. Um, especially with some of the stats they're kind of talking about it. it, just judging by the kind of gameplay they're trying to to give, and obviously those tech demos are usually way better than the actual product. But still, even at that level, I just don't see it happening on current gen on current gen consoles. Do you think they're going to talk a little bit more about uh, next gen consoles uh, generally at E three, like like in terms of formal? Formal discussions. Well, Sony's not going to be there, so I, w- I don't suspect anything coming out for PS5. But uh, Microsoft probably, um, especially with news coming out about the PS5, I think Microsoft needs to kind of take the moment to to flex a little bit and go, "Hey, you know, pay attention to us." Um, Nintendo probably not. I think they're probably content with the Switch for now. They they might give a little. Uh, uh, I know they're working on like a Switch Pro or some other versions of the Switch, but they're still staying okay. within Good this generation. Yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of one of those like, if you don't have one already, it might be worth it, but it's not worth upgrading over. Um, but yeah, I, I I suspect that we'll see something about the next Xbox. What about you, Zell? Anything you're looking forward to for E3? I'm kind of curious if uh, Nintendo's going to expand upon. Um... Anything with uh, Switch offerings? I know it's been rumored for a while that there there's uh, both a uh, lighter and more pro Switch coming. So right. I'm, I'm, I I know they're gonna be at E3. I don't know if they're gonna say anything about that, but it, that's kind of what I'm interested in. Um, I've been waiting on the Switch uh, mostly because there hasn't been a Zelda title for it that is exclusive to it since I already had a Wii U. Um, and uh, yeah, I know Link's Awakening is kind of dead. I don't need back backroom commentary here just because. <laughs> all right. Um, anyway, so that's that's the big thing that's coming. Um, so I'm kind of hoping like uh, one of the things I'd I'd really like to get is if they do um, like a, a special edition Zelda edition Switch thing, but they haven't said anything about that yet. So you know, there's there's stuff like that I'm hoping for on the Nintendo side. We'll see. Yeah, I, I could see them definitely announcing a uh, a Switch exclusive Zelda game. I think it's it's probably about time. I think Breath of the Wild has kind of had its its run. People still play it, of course, but I think from a from a marketing standpoint, it's kind of done. And it would be a good time to push out a, a Switch specific Zelda title. Uh, I also suspect we'll probably get the next uh, Smash Brothers DLC character. That it seems like an opportune time to push it out. But uh, that might be kind of the because I think they do the Nintendo Treehouse and that's usually before or after E3 technically, but that would be probably when you'll see that stuff as well. So that'll be exciting. What about you, Liddy? Anything you're looking forward to at E3 or hope you'll see at E3? Uh, not really. I just watch it to watch it. I never like hope I'll see something. I don't know if I want to see Borderlands though. 
<laughs> that means I gotta hear about it for too long. Oh my gosh. My, my brother is, of course, a Borderlands fanatic, and I, I really like the Borderlands series. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm very excited about Borderlands 3, but he is like, he will burn you out on a game before it even comes out <laughs> because he talks about it nonstop. You feel like you're playing the game. Um, so <laughs> we'll look forward to that. But yeah, I'm sure we'll see Borderlands 3. Um, that makes sense. I know they've already talked about they're going to be showing off uh, another one of the Vault Hunters because they, their little uh, reveal event, they did two of them, and they're going to be showing gameplay of a third. Uh, just kind of keeping that hype train rolling until we get to the actual launch date later this year. Um, the only one that I'm really tracking, aside from what we've already talked about, is the Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be playable, a, demo, a playable demo at E3, which is pretty exciting. Um, this is obviously hotly anticipated. Seven uh, was not my favorite Final Fantasy, but I'm, I'm still excited for this because it'll be kind of cool to see them reimagine it on you know a modern gen console because the game had some weird stuff in it and that's kind of what turned me off to a lot of what was going on in it but if they can kind of clean that up and, and put a nice bow on it um there is some really good stuff in final fantasy 7 that I, I think could could turn into a really stellar uh remake title so that should be exciting i'm curious to see if we'll get a release date on the first part of that so that should be good I can't wait for Todd Howard of Bethesda to walk across the stage. Tell me what new uh, uh, shit I can play Skyrim on and to kind of jerk our chain a little bit more with some of that sweet, sweet Elder Scrolls 6 tease. But we're not going to learn a damn thing about that game this year, so I don't know. No, no they're, 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 they're too busy trying to uh, get Skyrim to run on Fallout 76. Oh, but but you know what we might hear about is that is their uh, freaking uh, space game um, uh, uh, Star Starfinder? No, not Star Starfield. Uh, Starfield. Yeah, Starfield. Yeah, I, I'm very nervous about anything Bethesda pushes out right now. Like <laughs> they've not had a good year. Um, I definitely take that with a very very uh, big dose of caution for anything that they're talking about because they've uh, not been so great lately. I know, but I don't know. I feel like they've been working on Starfinder since before this whole thing kind of, uh, you know, with, with Fallout 76 and, and whatnot kind of started, like well before it started, if if uh, my mental timeline is correct. Um, so that that gives me hope. So hopefully they show something because we haven't seen much except for a dirty little teaser. Um so that that's one thing I'm holding out for, uh, or at least another thing I should say. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just gonna watch Todd Howard stand on stage and stare at uh, stare at people for an hour or so, because that's probably what it'll end up being. <laughs> I, I do have to share a funny post I saw on Reddit about some guy who was playing Fallout 76, and I guess there's like a like a Nuka like rum you can. It's like it's like a Nuka. It's it's like a Nuka Cola version of like moonshine, like Nuka Shine or something like that. And you drink it, and it gives you like a huge stat boost. But then you pass out afterwards. You wake up at a random location, and so this guy finally tries it. And he takes a swig, and he kills the enemy, and he passes out. And his character wakes up, and the screen pans from black, and he's sitting in a wagon with other like corpses sitting in there. He goes, "Are you serious?" <laughs> he's like, "The one time I try this shit, and I end up in the fucking Skyrim wagon, dilapidated in the in the Fallout wasteland." It's like Todd Howard like, done it again. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. All right, guys. I think we're, we're probably good now. Do you want to do shout-outs? All right. Uh, shout-outs. So my shout-out's going to go to... Uh, I'm, I'm going to steal it from Libby because she hasn't thought of it yet. Oh, no. um, so 
for Libby's birthday, I picked up a game for her called The Tetris Effect, which is basically like it's for PlayStation VR, but you don't need VR to play it. But I really do suggest you play it with VR. And it's basically you're playing Tetris, but they've got like some really cool, like hypnotic shit music going. And there's like all these effects and stuff. And it's cool because as you're playing, like when you rotate the blocks and, and drop them and stuff, there there's like a hidden music track that's pl- that you don't hear. But when you turn the blocks, it kind of brings that sound effect to the forefront. And so the gameplay will always magically, will always musically match the, the main theme that's going on. And then like you're in the VR and there's like colors swirling around you and all this other stuff. Like it is way better than I thought it would be. Um, I played the demo and it was pretty fun, but like just going through the whole game with, with me and Libby, it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. The price tag of 40 bucks is still a little high. Um, I don't know if it's worth quite that much, but if you see it on sale for like 10 bucks off, um, it's worth it even if you don't have VR, but if you do have VR, it's actually a really solid VR title and, and just uh, sit back, have a nice chill out session. Um, we've had a lot of fun with it. And uh, it's a really solid game. So my shout out kind of goes to uh, the Tetris effect for being uh, much better than I expected it to be. Okay, uh, Zell, shout out. I don't have a shout out this week. I'm God, sorry. God damn it. And you actually spoke in the show too. What the fuck? I, I speak in the show when I'm here sometimes. The intro, does, the intro doesn't count. We talked about this. Like, like I look at the waveform when I edit the show, and there's like I can tell it sells line this because it's like a blip at the beginning, and then a blip at the end, and it's silent the whole time. <laughs> Libby's is the same usually. It's actually I'm mostly ju- just me and Jay talking, honestly. <laughs> I'm just I'm just counting it as a win that I'm conscious this week. So. That's true. It's been it's been a, it's been a long week. It's been a long you know one day week so far. All right, fine. Uh, Bait, you're up. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I ain't really got anything, neither. I don't. You're all a disappointment. <laughs> Jay, come on. Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a shout out. Um, Aaron Buckley. Uh, I'm not gonna go into it, but uh, he's one of those people I remember on Memorial Day. Uh, so I, that's my shout out. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh. He's a, uh, he was uh, a good man and uh, always, always had a laugh for everybody. And he was a gamer, which is kind of cool, but uh, he always had a laugh and a beer for everybody. So that's my shout out for the week. All right, man. Sounds good. Uh, Libby, you're up. Uh, Let's see. I don't even know if it's a shout out. Can we shout out to the old school Pokemon? (laughs) Oh. For re-entering our lives through a five-year-old. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh no shit. Okay, he found so it, Pookie. He found it on his own. Who throws down? So my 10-year-old has now discovered Pokemon Go, which oh. I didn't I didn't even know that that was a fucking thing. Oh, it's still, still around? So suddenly, boy is very interested in taking the dog for a walk. And I'm like, I got you never take the dog for a walk. Oh, that's great. Yeah, our kid um, found it on Netflix. Netflix has, like, all the seasons now. And for some reason, he was like, you know what? I really like Pikachu. I'm like, you don't know what the hell Pikachu is. <laughs> sure enough, he does know what Pikachu is. And his Legos are now in the shape of a Pikachu. So it's it's Pokemon. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's it's Pokemon frenzy here now. Now I'm telling you, wait till you get him on Pokemon Go. That's, this, oh, that's the move right there. 
As much as he likes to walk away from class, he could probably go find well, some freaking Pokemon. So, so the the trick is what you got to do is that's a cool little life lesson of like uh, you know how do you not walk and look at your phone at the same time? So I'm really tempted to go get like an airsoft gun and then like have him walk around the neighborhood and then I'll stalk him. And every time I see him not keeping his situational awareness up, I'll zap him. So I'm, I'm starting to think through this as a, as a lifeline. lifeline I see. I see Jay having a series now. Be there, there's a, the tactical dad. <laughs> I'm telling you, no. There's so I had to like break it down for him. Is like okay, so I too have ha- have navigational aids in my work, and we you can't stare at them all the time. You have to maintain your situational awareness because you have to you need to know where you're going to make decisions at. Where do you take cover at? What happens when you're crossing this linear danger area, aka Fourth Street? You know, like. Trust me, I've gone through this. I can I can break this down for you in a in a PowerPoint document. You know, some sort of, something with charts and graphs. If you ever need to break it down to, to to Grayson, just let me know. I've got I've already got the class written. It's easy, no problem. That's fantastic. Oh, and actually, I should mention because um, Dell it, it's tangentially related because you mentioned Pokemon Go. So I think Dell actually brought up long time ago when we were first talking about Pokemon Go, that it's actually based off of another game called Ingress. Um, there is an anime for that game now on Netflix. It is. I, sol- I, saw, I saw that. Yeah, and... it's, it's solidly like average below average. Like if you're really bored, you can watch it, but it, it's not like I can go and go and do it. But it, it actually made me kind of want to play the game even if the show was kind of shitty. I'm, um, I'm honestly, I'm amazed that Ingress is still a thing with pokemon go being where it is with them but yeah like i i actually played ingress when it was still a google property like back in the day when it first launched i actually uh there's a there's quite a few friends i have that uh, i met via that game so that's cool yeah i just thought it was kind of interesting i'm like is that the game cell was talking about and i'm watching i'm like this is basically pokemon go but with like i don't know glowing lights and shit instead of little monsters um yeah the show was was, eh, was okay um but yeah all right guys well that is our show i want to thank you for all tuning in um as always if you want to be on the show or want us to cover any particular topics head over to biomass.com give us a ring that being said we'll see you next week and be safe out there